0: Hi and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope you're doing well today. I have another great episode lined up for you. But before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book, All in the Same Boat. You've heard me talk a lot about it over the past month, and you might even be wondering why I keep saying that I guarantee it will be the most interesting leadership book you will read this year. Well, here's just a few reasons. First, as my friend Coach Brew likes to say, the best ideas come from outside your industry. And unless you're a fellow submariner, the lessons in this book should be well outside your own personal experiences. Second, three out of the top 100 leadership books were written by naval officers. The unique lessons we learned while leading in the Navy translate very well into business leadership. Third, this book is filled with stories, both from my time as a submariner and as a business leader. And as we'll learn from my guest today, stories have a powerful way of helping us connect to lessons more than just a list of concepts or ideas. So, the readers of this book have confirmed that this book is both entertaining and educational. And they've also agreed that it's the most interesting leadership they have read this year. So, if you haven't got your copy yet, head on over to allinthesameboatbook.com to purchase a signed copy. Or you can go to Amazon and purchase either a paperback or a Kindle version. The Audible version is in the works and should be available in a few months. Now, if you've already purchased the book and you've read through it and you enjoy it, please go to Amazon and leave a review. Every review helps get the word out. And if you're looking to support what I do on this show, just go to my website, johnsrenny.com, and purchase one of my books, or visit my sponsors, bottomguncoffee.com and eyeofthewatch.com. Both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Gabriel Dolan. Gabriel is based in Australia and is a speaker and best-selling author. She is an expert in storytelling. In this episode, you will learn about the power of stories and why they are so important for us to both develop our brand and lead our teams. I know you're gonna love it. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Gabrielle Dolan. Gabrielle is a highly sought-after keynote speaker, educator, and best-selling author. She is a storytelling expert. She knows that a well-crafted business story can boost a brand strategy and allow leaders to better engage with employees and customers. She has a new book out called Magnetic Stories, Connect with Customers and Engage Employees with Brand Storytelling. I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about storytelling and how that can help us as leaders. So, Gabrielle, welcome.
1: Thanks, John. What an introduction. It's good to be here.
0: Well, it's good to have you on the show. And I'm really interested in the subject, especially as an entrepreneur myself and as a leader myself. I'm really, I'm really excited to have you on the show and listen to what you have to say about storytelling, because I think this is an important subject. Uh, and I think our listeners are going to really enjoy it. So, Let's just start off off the bat. So you are a storytelling expert. What is a storytelling expert? And then when did you begin to realize that there's this power in storytelling, especially in business?
1: Uh, you made me laugh then a little bit, John, when you said a storytelling expert, because all my friends that I went to school with think it's quite hilarious that I actually run a business in storytelling because they would tell you that I was quite the storyteller growing up. Um, So I I guess it sort of started from a, you know, when I was, I'm one of eight children. So often I say, you know, the only way to get attention was to tell a good story. So I think I sort of had this concept of storytelling, but it was in business. So I, um, I worked in corporate world i worked for one of australia's largest banks and i you know progressed up the you know up the ranks to senior leadership roles and it was i started to notice that in scene you know as a leader when you were trying to communicate your message more effectively when you were trying to influence an outcome that when you shared a story it seemed to get the message across better mm. and people actually understood it and and remembered it it was um it was in my last couple of roles in that corporate gig that i was actually a change manager so being change manager on large projects and that's when i really started to really sort of experiment, I guess, with storytelling, and and seriously, when I when I shared stories, people got the message better. So um, I looked around. There was um, a couple of people that had written books. Stephen Denning from America. He was a mm-hmm. ex senior exec at the World Bank, and he'd written a book on storytelling. Annette Simmons had written a, written a book as well. Um, a few others, Laurie Silverman, and I just there was enough books out there to go. Oh, I think there's something in this. I think there's something credible. So. Um, because I had been involved in running, designing and delivering leadership programs um, in my role, I sort of just thought, you know what, I think I could teach people how to communicate more effectively through stories. So that was almost 17 years ago I started wow. doing that when when storytelling wasn't really a thing back then.
0: I know you're probably the original, so at least bringing that idea into business and so why do you think stories are so powerful in business or in just in powerful in general? What, what makes stories so unique and uh, why, do, why do we as, as humans attach ourselves to stories more than just facts and figures?
1: Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of research to say that storytelling is part of our DNA. It's the way we communicate. It's right. um and and but in business we sort of think it's not professional and we we have this bias towards facts and figures, which you know I'm I'm not suggesting for a second we don't need facts and logic and data and everything in business. But the the why storytelling is so powerful is it taps into emotion. And when I say emotion, I'm not talking about emotional because that's sometimes right. people sort of talk about oh we're not doing storytelling storytelling, all that emotional fluffy stuff. It's it's not, but it taps into emotion. And as humans, that's how we make decisions. We are influenced. Um, We are inspired by emotion. Yes, we need the logic, but as humans, we make emotional decisions and we rationalize on logic. And I would suggest that most change fails so you know leaders out there entrepreneurs out there going why don't people get this why aren't people excited about it why aren't people inspired about it? whether it's their strategy or the mission or values is because a lot of the times which we're, we're communicating it just on logic and just mm-hmm. data and just facts mm-hmm. when we're ignoring to our own detriment the power of story
0: yeah I think you're right I really do I think that emotional response uh, you know, I've had guests on my show talking about failure, you know, and, and how failure is such an important teacher because it's an emotional response. Like I don't want to fail when I fail. It's emotion and it and, and it and it, you know, it's it puts something in us to, to want to change. And I think the stories are the same thing. You you emotionally connect with the story better than just, you know, or, well, we need to, you know, we need to increase our sales by 50% this year. Well, okay, that's nice. Mm. But but you you put it in context with the story of where we're headed, where we've where we've come, and where we're headed, and why we're headed. I think that's it's more it's more of a connection for people than it is for just you know just fifty percent increase in sales.
1: Yeah, which you know like that. So what? That's not inspiring. But so yeah, it's really is. And I guess how the what the the subtitle of the book it's connecting and yes. engaging both mm. your customers and your employees.
0: Yeah, I love that. So so if you if you look back and just look at. The way companies do storytelling or lack thereof what are what are, what do companies mostly do wrong in this regard just you know mostly specifically dealing with you know their outside communication to customers and to potential customers
1: yeah look what i've what I've noticed John is and like I said, I started doing this almost seventeen years ago, and no one was even really talking about storytelling in business back then um, But gradually it's been, you know, rightly recognized as a key way to, you know, communicate both with customers and employees. What I find the common mistake now, because it seems to be really popular, so everyone's talking about, oh, we need to Mm. share stories, we need to come up with our brand story or our company story or our strategy story. The biggest mistake I see is um, people calling something a story but it's not a story. So they will say, this is our story. And you might have noticed that, John, on websites, the About Us page has changed to our story. And whenever I see something called a story, you know, I'm curious about it, so I get in and look. And nine times out of ten, it's not a story. Like a timeline is not a story. So I think one of the biggest mistakes companies make is they're calling something a story But it's not a story. They'll, they'll produce Mm. maybe a slick corporate video and go, that's our story. And you look at it and you go, it's actually not a story. So that's, that's, um, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make calling something a story, a story. The other thing I sort of, um, see is that, or just one story. They just go, no, we're, we're all about brand storytelling, but they'll just have one story. They might have a story of why the company started, for example, um, which is good. That's one of the stories you need, but, you can't communicate your entire brand through one story. You need multiple stories to bring that to
0: life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's great. And we're going to get into what makes a good story here in a little bit. But uh, before we do that, I want to ta- I want to mention that you've got this new book out: Magnetic Stories, Connect with Customers and Engage Employees with Brand Storytelling. So, and we just got breaking news, and I'm excited to, to hear that that you are a finalist, or you're a finalist in the International Book Awards in three different categories. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, so congratulations on that. Uh, yes, thanks, John. What was the catalyst for writing this book? As we talked about earlier, this one is has an external focus to us, whereas most of your other books are dealing with leaders in, and storytelling inside the company and inside with your teams. This one has an external bent to it, like the brand talking to customers, the industry. So what was the catalyst for this book?
1: Yeah, look, it's, it's it's like you said, when I first started doing this 17 years, my focus was all on how you, how leaders share stories internally, you know, how they communicate their values or their strategy to their employees. And that's, and that's been the subject of my previous books. What the reason for this book with a bit of an external focus to customers is, again, because I saw storytelling becoming really popular, it was moving from how do we just not just do it internally but externally. And there's a couple of things that I noticed. Um, one I've already talked about, I saw people saying that they would doing storytelling and doing brand storytelling. Right. And I'd look at it and go, but that's not a story or, right. or that's just one story. So it's sort of like, I get a little bit frustrated when I see that, but that's not a story. Um, The other thing I noticed was I would be speaking to people and they would have this brilliant story and I would go, please tell me you're sharing that. And they went, oh no, we're not really. And it was like, yeah. so there's this concept of companies, leaders, entrepreneurs had all these amazing stories, but they weren't sharing them. And they they weren't sharing them either because they didn't understand the power of sharing those stories, or they didn't quite know how to do them, or they wouldn't think anyone would be interested. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was I was at an event. I was at a networking event. Um, I was actually the keynote speaker, but I was sitting down speaking to people. And I was speaking to this woman who owns child care facilities. So she owns a whole handful of child care facilities. And I was just asking about how she got into it. And she goes, well, I used to be a dentist. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like, what? A-? And she said, yeah, I-, and she, she told me I used to be a dentist. Me and my husband were trying to get pregnant for a very long time and eventually we did and I had a child, I had a son. And when she was looking for a childcare centre for her son to go back to work, she couldn't find anyone, anything that she was happy to leave her son with. Mm. She just kept thinking, Un- unless I feel he's going to love it here, I'm not putting it here. Mm. She goes, so I decided to buy one and change it to what my son would love. Oh, and wow. And I heard that story and I just said, please tell me, that is front and centre on your website because right. if I was looking for a childcare centre, I would just read that story and go sign me up. And and she looked at me and went, oh, no, it's not. She goes, it's not really suitable for an external audience. We talk about it internally and it was like, oh, my God, what such a wasted opportunity because that story is the most powerful marketing, advertising, communication um, collateral she has.
0: Yeah, it defines her brand, right? I mean, yeah. that, that story really defines who they are as a company and, and why they why they became who they are, right? I mean, yeah, that's it, the defining story.
1: It defines their passion. It defines their credibility. And, again, it would just be people would just be signing up once they read that story.
0: Right. There's a lot of credibility and, um, you know, and people will relate to it like, oh, yeah, I couldn't find a good place either. Well, this this is the right place because I can see you know, this person felt, you know, they couldn't find the right place, so they created their own. This is the this must be the right place for me too. So I can see it resonating with people looking for that right place for their child. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, you know, so that's a great that leads into this question, and that is how do companies increase their brand loyalty through these stories? What what how do how do customers How do they attract and retain loyal customers through these stories?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like the example I just gave that is not, that is not only going to attract. Customers, um but you're going to keep them. You're going to keep them, and mm-hmm. and they're going, and people are going to refer to them. So what a story can do is, it, it's like we talked about. The story has an emotional connection, mm-hmm. so we connect to it. We want to be part of this. I'll um I'll, I'll give you a quick example. It's probably one of it's one of my favourite stories in the book. I've got a lot, but this is one of my favourites. Um, when I was growing up, I wasn't really into dolls. I was much more interested in playing football and cricket and riding my skateboard and BMX bike and I wasn't into dolls. And to be fair to say, I never owned a Barbie. And when over the last, you know, 10, 20 years where Barbie's been sort of um, sort of criticized as being poor role models for children mm-hmm. and bad body image, I happily bought in to that concept. In fact, I've got, I've got two daughters that are now 17 and 20 and um, they never, ever got a Barbie, never got a Barbie. When I was researching for the book, I came across the backstory to Barbie and the backstory is that Ruth Handler was the wife of one of the um, co-founders of Mattel that make Barbie. And what she noticed that when her two children she had a uh, they had a child a, a daughter and a, a son and a daughter when they were playing with their respective dolls both of them pretended they were adults. And while mm. her daughter Barbara could only imagine herself as a caregiver her son, Ken, was encouraged to imagine himself as an astronaut or a scientist or a Mm. superhero. Um, And by the way, Ken and Barbie are named after their children. Mm. So she pitched this idea of, uh, you know, plastic 3D doll with clothes that the little girl could pretend to be something else besides the caregiver. And it was initially not taken on, but she persisted. And in 1959, um, Barbie debuted at the New York Toy Fair. And there's a quote from Ruth Handler that says, my whole philosophy with Barbie was that through the doll, the little girl could be anything she wanted to be, that Barbie has always represented that women have choices. Now, when I heard that story, I just like, it completely changed my opinion of the brand Barbie. And most importantly, it'll change my future buying habits. So my two daughters, my two daughters never got a Barbie. Maybe any future grandkids might get a Barbie. But then also I was researching for a book and I had to research really hard to find that story. And I found snippets of it everywhere. And I thought, what a missed opportunity that that story is not on every single Barbie package and is not all over their website because that's another missed opportunity of them not understanding the power of that story.
0: Well that's a that's really really interesting especially as they came under uh, criticism for body imaging and all that sort of thing it would have been Absolutely. a great, perfect response to say look <laughs> this yeah. is who, this is what barbie's all about you know yeah. and and so, actually if if everyone knew the story they probably wouldn't have come under fire too yeah. uh, as so, well, so
1: John can I say there's a lot of people that have read my book and there's so many stories in that book and I often get emails going, um, I just wanted to say how great your book is, but can I first say I've completely changed my opinion of Barbie. That, yeah. is, that is that is like, and, and that's coming from men and women across generations. Um, so it's just, it just shows the power of a story, and that's when we talk about brand loyalty, yeah. that one, that one story would create brand loyalty.
0: It would change, yeah, your perception. It's almost like the story is your why. You know, why are we here? You know, you talked about the um child care story. It's a clear why am I here? Why do I have this company? And and in the Barbie story, it's a similar thing where it's like, this is why we created Barbie for this very hmm. reason. And and we it's the missed opportunity when you don't talk about that why. Why that you yeah. why did you create this business, this product, this, you know, whatever you're doing service, if you if you will. So you, yep. it's a missed opportunity when you don't, when you don't put that out there because it does it it, it may, gives you a diff, it gives you an emotional connection to that brand versus oh it's just a doll right it it's it's more than a doll it's it's mm-hmm. a way you know it's a way to, for children to imagine themselves especially girls to imagine themselves they could be anything they want to be We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors, sponsors. One ping only please As I thought, John
1: Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't
0: react too well to bullets. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge Extremely Strong Coffee to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So, so you talk about in the book uh, five types of stories that every business needs. So what are those? what are those five?
1: Well, well the, first, the first one is the creation story, which literally mm-hmm. with uh, yeah. the two examples I've given you, are examples of creation. And the re- this is normally why the company started, and which is normally often referred to as the origin story or the mm-hmm. founder story. But I actually... Uh, because it's also how the product started. So it's not just how the company started, like, you know, the childcare centre, but right. how the product started as a Barbie. So I think the term creation is a better description of that because it's, it's, like, you, it's like you said, it's either how the company started, why the product started, or why the service started. So right. the, the why, why we're doing this. So that's the first one's creation stories. One is um, culture stories, and this is there's almost like two versions of this a lot of a lot of companies hey okay these this is our purpose, this is our mission, but these are our values and to me, all of that is your culture, especially your values so culture stories is what are leaders, so what are leaders in business? How are they sharing personal stories mm. about what those values mean to me that predominantly that's a lot of the work I do so companies will go. Oh, we have a value of integrity, but unless leaders are sharing personal stories, and what I, when I say yeah. personal stories, I'm just not work-related stories, yeah. why integrity is important to them, then people aren't going to get it. So I truly believe with if leaders aren't sharing their personal stories around the values, those values just remain words on a wall and they're not embedded and people aren't living it, breathing it. So that, that's a culture story.
0: It's, well, it's I just also, want to say one thing on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's interesting. I didn't realize that we were doing it at our company. We're, we're, you know, we, we're five years into business. But one of the things I talk about is the the, the rigorous testing quality we put through our products. We, we sell products to electric utilities around the country, right? And um, I always talk when I'm with customers, as I say, you know, my father was a lineman, right? So this is personal to me, right? I want to make sure this product is safe and that the people using it can go home to their families every night. And and so that's so I'm. I think it's an example of a of a cultural story where I'm saying this is the reason why our quality and testing is where it is because it's it's personal to me as the founder of the company as the leader of the company. So I think that's
1: that's a that's a classic example where mm -hmm. you're talking about you know my father was a linesman. I am not putting anything out there that would endanger my father um and and that's why it's important to me so so i'm hearing that and i'm going okay so it's through that story that i now truly believe you mean that because a lot of other you know your competitors for example could just be saying you know quality is important to us because we don't want to put anyone in danger it's like yeah okay great but the through the story now i um you get credibility, and we get a we get an emotional
0: connection and, to it. An so, emotional yeah. connection, yeah. So I see that right away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good tick. You're doing that well
0: okay. done. one thing right. So
1: yeah, right, yeah. You're third. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so creation stories, culture stories. Um, the other ones are community stories. Mm. So what are you doing in your community that's helping? And look, this, this goes beyond just the corporate responsibility stories. Yeah. It could be, what are some of your employees? Your employees might be just volunteering for, some, you know, a company. That's got nothing to do with your company or the products and service mm. you say, but you're almost going, hey, we've got really good employees. And it was almost like by default, then you must be a good company to work with. So community stories. The other one is um, customer stories. So how can you talk about your customers and make them the heroes of the story? So again, this does go beyond customer testimonials, not like, oh, our customer used this and look at them, but how, do you, how can you make them the hero? I'll, I'll give you a quick example, John. It's like I said, I, I had so much fun writing this book because I got to speak to so many companies around the world doing really cool things with stories. And one of those companies was uh, Columbia Restaurant in Florida, which is the oldest restaurant in Florida. It's a fifth-generation. It. Yeah. I've been
0: there and I love it. And and everyone needs to go there at some point. Yes, <laughs> so. okay.
1: So that's, you know, when I say people give me feedback, it was like I've changed my opinion of Barbie. And then they, normally the second thing is, and I really want to go to the Columbia restaurants. So, and they need to, so yes, <laughs> you do. So, yeah, okay, great. You love it. You've been there. Um, I haven't, but I've, which I did go when I was in Florida quite a few years ago. But I'll give you an example of a great customer story. So, on Valentine's Day uh, last year, they shared a story on their, you know, Facebook page, social medias, about a couple that had celebrated their wedding anniversary at the Columbia restaurant for 72 years in a row. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, and they talk about they came to the restaurant on their first wedding anniversary and the second anniversary they came back and coincidentally just got the same table. And so for the next 70 years, Columbia restaurant have reserved that same Mm. table for them and they've come back. So. It's like through, you know, and they go celebrating lovebirds around the world and on Valentine's Day. But it's through that story. It's all about their customers. But by default, you're going, that's a pretty amazing thing that yes. the, 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 you know, restaurants done that. And it must be a pretty special restaurant if this couple is chosen to it. So it's, um, you got to be mindful that you're just not talking about yourself, but you're talking about your customers that by default paints you in a very good light as well.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I like, I love that story because it's are the hero, the customer is the hero in the story. You know, they're yeah. setting the example, but, but also it ties to the fact that this restaurant's special. This restaurant's been here 70, you know, four years, 70, whatever yeah. it was, 71 years. But yeah. It has that long legacy and it's a special place and it's always been a special place. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. can see all that connects, uh, really well. And it's, it's definitely an emotional story too, that you just connect with. You're like, yeah. well, where, am, where am I going to take my wife? On, on date night. Well let's let's exactly. go where, where let's they go went there. for Seventy-four years, yeah, 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 yeah. That's great.
1: and and the final story, and you're going to notice that they all start with C because I do like you know
0: a nice of consistent
1: course. palette. Um, is a challenge story. So sometimes, what what challenges has the company faced and how you've overcome them? And these can just be really small, um, or they they could be larger ones. And sometimes, well, I think often, how a company responds to a challenge probably mm-hmm. brings in. You know their values and those culture stories. So, um, you know, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give another quick example too, because this this came during the lockdown in March last year. So when we all of us went into lockdown, there was a gin distillery in um, based out of Sydney in in Australia, and it was a really young. It was only like about five years old. This mm. company, so really quite young. They had a bar attached to their gin distillery. And when we went into lockdown, they were really concerned that the 15, their 15 employees in the bar were going to lose their job. So they instantly decided to swap from making gin to making hand sanitizer mm. because there was a big shortage. Yeah. And when I say instantly within three days, They had produced seven and a half thousand bottles of hand sanitizer. So they, you know, they had sourced bottles, they had ticked off all the health requirements, Um, they designed and printed labels and they had produced seven and a half thousand bottles. Over the next several months they went on to produce over a hundred thousand bottles of hand sanitizer wow. not only securing the jobs for their 15 staff but they were actually able to employ another 15 local people in the hospitality industry that had lost their jobs so
0: that's great you
1: look at you look at that story and you go yes it's a challenge story but it's an absolute um culture story because mm-hmm. they were i think one of their values two of their values was innovation and quality and they just went Bang, they went in to mm. do it. Um, it also shows, com- make perhaps a community story. It doesn't really matter what type of story it is, but it's, 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 you know, just finding these different types of stories. I actually, um, spoke to the head of marketing, uh, to interview her for the book. And she said that that story, once they put it out there, it got global recognition. Like they mm. were interviewed ac- around the world on this story. She said it in doubled their database. Their, their database over a few months, their database doubled. And as a young brand, she predicted that the brand awareness of their brand increased by about 18 months, where they would have expected to be. And their social media traffic increased 35% or something. So, based on that one story, I mean, clearly it was based on the action. So, they've done right. the action. Right but they proactively shared the story and the story has resonated which means people then want to keep sharing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It shows the character of the company, how they overcame adversity and how they you know, they stuck to their values in the midst mm. of all this um, you know, challenge in that everybody went through in business. So, yeah, that's a great that's a great story. We had a local um entrepreneur here in Raleigh that uh made uh his his company is in they make uh, insect repellent but it's all natural insect repellent and they did the same thing they shifted production over to hand sanitizers and he ended up uh winning a contract for the he was a navy veteran like myself and won the contract for the u.s navy supplied all of the hand sanitaries to the the u.s navy and kept all his people engaged and employed so yeah so and i got a chance to have him on the podcast to talk about that Uh, so but it was what you know that's why the story was so resonates with me is i've actually met somebody that had done something very similar not a gin Company, but a, a bug repellent company that mm, uh, mm. shifted over into uh, into hand sanitizers in the beginning yeah. of the pandemic. So mm. that's and in, bo- and
1: in and in both those incidents, John. If those companies continue to make them, now they may not, right. uh, you know. But if they continue to make them, that becomes the creation story of the product. And it so does. again, it, it yeah. shouldn't be lost because you don't want to be looking at a, um, you know, an insect repellent company and going, "Why are you making hand sanitizers?" Right, or a gin company right. making, and you go, "Because this is the backstory of the product."
0: And it's you go, well, and "So it, yeah, yeah, yeah." I like that a lot. So, so I am just thinking about it, just in terms of practical. Um, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own business. Uh, where would these stories reside? You know, I mean, obviously they can be in websites, they can be in brochures, they can be in the presentations you make to customers. So where, where, where do these stories, where do you see them residing? Where, what are good companies? Where do they reside in, in these great companies you talk about?
1: Yeah. And, and look, of course, all of those, all the standard things that should be on websites. If you're doing yeah. a presentation, you should be talking about it. If you've got a newsletter, talk about it. So all those, I guess, traditional hmm. ways you'd communicate, but you can get really creative and think of other stuff. So I think the really good companies and especially uh, uh, the really good companies have stories throughout their induction program. So mm-hmm. if, if you've got an induction program at all, it should be just story based. So again, I talk, some companies I spoke about in the book was very, that's what they're doing because. When you think about it, what an induction program is about, it's not just, you know, where the, you know, where the toilets are and right, the OH&S right. stuff. It's about the values. What's accepted yeah. behavior here? What do we do? If you're sort of saying, Oh, we're, we're about exceptional customer service. Well, give me lots of examples of employees yeah. delivering exceptional customer service. So I go, Oh, okay. That's what it's about. Um, so induction programs need to be story based. And if they're not story based, I, I, Doubt whether they're effective. Um, Just the leaders sharing them. So how can you? So it's just verbal, the verbal sharing. So you know leaders sharing them internally. You know potential customers how they're sharing those stories. But you can get really creative. I've seen some companies um, put little mini stories on beer coasters or or coffee oh, yeah. cups, yeah. Um, stuff, you know, stuff in their foyer. Like if you've got a big foyer, one of the companies I um, spoke to was Fullerton Hotels and Resorts based in Sydney and Singapore and their main iconic buildings in Singapore. And they've just collected all these amazing stories of um, the people that used to work in this building, because mm. it used to be like the, the post office like and it's this yeah. massive, yeah. the most iconic building in Sydney. And they've, they've got, okay, well, we've got all these artifacts, but how do we find the stories mm. behind them? So just using stories all the time. Even we've spoken about the Columbia restaurants. What they do is, I mean, they've got stories around the chandelier that's in mm. the thing, the, fa- yes. the fountain, yes. a window. They, they will have stories around like a table, like they'll know the stories around the table um, and all their employees need to hear these stories because then the employees share it with customers. And what they talk about is it moves it from just a a meal to an experience, to a dining Mm. experience. So it's thinking of all the different places you can share these stories.
0: I love it. I love it. I know as a, you know, as a smallest uh, company in my Space right. I, I I compete against billion dollar companies, and we, we're you know we're five years in. Um, is that my competitors don't really have the stories? They're 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 big corporations, global corporations, and they don't necessarily have those stories. And I find that customers connect with us because they recognize our origin story and why we started and what we're trying to do differently. So I I definitely see, you know, like when we go to trade shows, people are attracted to us because we're you know, we're the guys that say, you know, no more. We're not, I think what's happening in this industry is wrong. We're doing things differently and Mm. they're attracted to kind of our our rebellious nature and uh, that we're kind of rebelling against like these big corporate companies that have, you know, treat everybody like a number and have these long lead times. And so I think, I don't, I didn't realize we were doing it, but I think people are resonating with our, you know, rebel story where we're kind of pushing up against the big companies. And I think people like that and they want to be part of that. Story. They want to be, you know, kind of rebelling against the the status quo, if you will, in the industry. So I think that's kind of interesting, and uh, yeah. I, I think we probably need to talk about it more. I know I talked to it a lot one on one with customers and why we started, but I think we could be doing more on our webpage and you know on our product literature, that sort of thing. So.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I'm just, uh, reading, finally getting around to reading Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. And he talks about a a just cause and Mm. it's got to be like bigger. It's got to be, it's got to stand for something and it's got to be service orientated and it's got to be resilient. And almost what I'm hearing from you that your just cause is challenging the status quo. So it's not, and, and, and that's the infinite game. Which yeah. is kind of continually challenge the status quo, which means you're going to attract employees that want to be part of that just cause. But the other cool thing is you're going to attract clients that want to be part of that just cause.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and and it's actually in our we actually, if you look at who we are, it actually says we challenge the status quo. So I think we're, mm. at least we got that right on our webpage, but we probably have to do a little bit more work on that. So <laughs>
1: yeah, and and I I reckon John, you'd easily find if I sort of said to you, why is that important? Why is that important? you would you would end up telling me a story from your childhood or growing up it could be you know my my parents always did it or they always told right. me to do or I was always encouraged and you'll find a story from your childhood that goes wow this challenging the status quo was part of me that's always been yeah, in me yeah, um, I love and it. then that that becomes one of your culture stories because one of your values ultimately is challenging the status quo
0: yeah i love it that's great i think we need to work on that some more so <laughs> Um, so I have a question for you. So I, you, um, you are the, I don't know, creator, the owner of Jargon Free Fridays. What, what are Jargon Free Fridays and what, what don't you like about business? Jargon? So, <laughs> I like well, it, this by the way.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I talked about Simon Sinek's Just Cause and it's sort of, and they actually, he actually suggested you should write it down. And I was thinking if I wrote, if I wrote it, my Just Cause down, what would it be? And it is about, um, we, in business, we need to communicate in a way that's more human, that's mm, more real okay. and authentic. And yeah. to me, s- stories is that. So the way you do that is sharing these personal stories, as opposed to the complete opposite of that is the jargon and acronyms we use. Mm. So jargon and acronyms is the default business language, which yes. means say nothing, um, where stories is what really connects and humanises with people. So Jargon Free Fridays came about as a little bit of um, to me it's a fun way to raise awareness to what i think is a pretty serious problem and yeah. and the concept the concept is it's really hard to give up jargon so it's really hard to not use it because sometimes we don't even know we're using it it's really hard to do it but if you're aware of it um let's just try to do it one day on a friday so that right. that was the whole idea of jargon free fridays because um and you know when i do my training and when i do my keynotes I bring this up and I bring it up in a fun way and everyone yeah. sits there and goes, they'd laugh but go, it's that nervous laugh where it's like, oh, my God, we do that. That's what we say. And you know, because for every acronym there's yeah. multiple variations. Like if I say SME to you, yeah. it could be subject matter expert or could be small to medium enterprise. And we could be having right. a conversation about SMEs, right. but both of us are thinking something different. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we use acronyms because we think it's efficient, but it's yeah. actually it's quite lazy, and it's actually putting all the it's putting all the onus on the other person to interpret it, and then you're hoping they interpret it correctly. Okay. So, I, I walked past. I was going. I was walking down our street the other day, and I, this sign has probably been there for a while, but I hadn't noticed before. So, someone's got a proper sign made up, gone to the effort to make a proper sign, and it says this building contains ACM. Okay oh, I wonder what a c m means, and I was thinking a the fact that they've gone to a, this to make a sign it must be quite serious, and I think maybe it's got something to do with asbestos, so I yeah. looked it up, I looked it up first of all, there was about two hundred um yeah. definitions sure. of a c m yeah. but one of them is asbestos containing material oh, and I was okay. like would it wouldn't it just be better to say this building contains asbestos yeah the, yeah like asbestos can kill you so
0: yeah.
1: why don't we make it clear in the sign but this building c- contains acm is ridiculous
0: yeah oh yeah that makes a lot of sense you know it's funny we used to have a boss that was um uh, he was big on jargons and uh, we used to play a game called buzzword bingo oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would track down how many times he would say certain words uh, that he was known to say and uh, it was Quite a sport. We had a lot of fun with it, but mm. I think you can get carried away with it. And I and I, I think too, it doesn't I think when leaders are using a lot of jargon, it uh or or you know, buzzwords, it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel no. real. It no. feels fake and forced, you know. Yeah,
1: and people people don't connect with it. I, I I remember, this is probably going back about 25 years ago when I did work still in my corporate gig. I was working with this um, manager and he always used to say executional excellence, like he talked about yeah. executional excellence. And one day I just said, can I just say, Jeff, I'm I'm not sure I know what that means. And I'm not sure anyone else knows what it means. I I, I would often joke at executional excellence just sounds like you've killed someone, but you've done it really well. well. And and he explained explained it to me in more jargon, like, you know, it's about best practice, blah, blah, blah. And I went and I said, what if you just had to use it in normal words, how would you say it? And he was almost getting frustrated with me for asking. And he said, well, it's put simply, It's once we decide to do something, let's make sure we do it right. And I was like, hmm, why don't you say that? Because I think everyone would engage and connect with that. And I, and you know what? I'm sure he's got a story around why that was important to him. I bet you if I dug deeper, he would go, you know, my mum always used to say to me, if you're going to do something, make sure you do it right. And it was so almost it's like now... This is something I can connect with and engage with and go, yeah, well, clearly let's do that as opposed to executional excellence, yeah. which means yeah. nothing
0: it means nothing, yeah, it means yeah. nothing it feels forced and it doesn't feel natural, yeah yeah it's not the way it's not the way humans talk to each other
1: no know, no no and 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 that's the other concept of jargon Free Friday, if we seriously spoke the way we did in business in right. any other aspect of our life. We would call it out for how ridiculous it is. So yeah. on the website, I've got little videos like, you know, if we if we explained um, about sex to to our kids with jargon, or if a marriage proposal was in jargon, it, right.
0: would, it would just it sounds
1: ridiculous when we use right. it outside of business. Yeah,
0: it really does. So, and you got to be careful as leader that lead, as a leader that you're not using. If you catch yourself using a lot of buzzwords, it's time to, like, slow down. Like, why am it I is. saying these words? Because sometimes yeah. we're parroting others, right? We Exactly. Like I did 22 years in corporate America myself. And so you get to where there's language in the business that, you know, you speak in that business, right, to, to fit in right? If you will. Yeah. But, but,
1: yeah. And, and that's another reason we yeah. use jargon because it, it's a way of acceptance. It's a way of fitting right. in because everyone else is, everyone else is saying move the needle or ducks in a row or run it up right. a flagpole. Right. And we're just, we're just repeating these, things. let's run it yeah. up a flagpole. Okay. What does that mean?
0: Right. And I, I do notice because I've run, uh, I've had nine different manufacturing plants that I've run in my, in my career. And I've noticed that these things work, may, maybe they work in certain circles, when you're talking about the hourly employee on the shop floor, you can't talk that way because that's it's, no. they don't know what you're talking about, and they or they they feel like it's fake, and so yeah, I think that's yeah. really, you got to be really careful who your audience is if you're using words like that, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. and and it's you know if you're talking if you're in an industry or area and talking to the same people that understand it and know it, then okay, but the vast majority of the time you know, we're speaking to people outside of our industry. And when, when we start using internal language to our customers that, I mean, that's, we're actually disconnecting and isolating people. Yeah. So what, why would we do that?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's great. All right. Well, um, how can people find out more about your company and all of your books? Ah,
1: well, if you're interested in jargon, you can go to jargonfreefridays.com <laughs> and have a little bit of a laugh. You can do ah, that. Okay. But but the best place to, if you're interested in storytelling, um, and my work and my books, it's, uh, gabrieldolan.com. So, um, and I have a, a storytelling starter kit. So it's a, it's free. Uh, and what it is, is you'll get an email from me once a day for seven days to just, just if you're thinking about how do I get started on this? Um, then that could be a place to go and you can access my books there, but you can access the books from all the usual sp- suspects, Amazon, it's uh, in paper copy, it's in Kindle, or you know, ebook and audio.
0: Okay, that's great. Well, so I'm encouraging all of our listeners to take a look at this called Magnetic Stories, Connect with Customers and Engage Employees with Brand Storytelling. And Gabriel, there's a copy of it, those on YouTube are <laughs> seeing it. Um, Gabriel, this has been really, really good. And I really appreciate you being on the show. I think you've You've introduced some concept to concepts to us that we really need to think about in terms of how are we connecting our business to our customers, how are we connecting our business to our employees in a way that's you know a story that's uh, that connects us emotionally to 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 our customers and our our employees. I think this is really good, and I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of your insight.
1: Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, maybe to wrap it all up, I can say acronyms enrage, stories engage. So less wow. acronym,
0: more stories. More stories. I yeah. love it. That's great. Well, that's something that uh, we all need to take away from this. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks, John.
1: For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.